you're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. Tell somebody right now I'm ready. Online, I hope you're ready. Um, I just like, and it wasn't just because it's my birthday week. It's been for like a month now. Because uh, birthdays, I love birthdays. I don't care. But getting older doesn't bother me. Like, I'm grateful because um, getting older should be an honor. And if it's not, you need to grow up. Because um, uh, it's good to grow up. Because if you don't grow up, you know. But I had like, so you ever heard that growing up? You ever had the old people in your life say the saying that um, I got a song, I got a smile on my face and a song in my heart. You remember that? I'm going to tell you all that's been for me for like a month. Like, I'm talking a month. And if anybody knows me, my family will tell you the worst thing that could have ever happened to them is me be able to sing because I would sing all the time. I would say, how was your day at school, Garrett, in like my Grammy Award winning voice? So like, I've been like hitting it all week. So I've gone back to some throwbacks. So this week, I've been like just, I'm like, I'm talking about shower confidence. Like, I've been like, something, about, I mean, y'all know me, I'm like old school, like, like I've got soul in me. You hadn't come to church long, you'll figure it out, I got a lot of soul in me. So, uh, so I've just, I just been hitting these notes, even came in here and turned, it, turned the whole sound system on midweek. Didn't care who was in here, I apologized to Connor and all them, but sorry, not sorry, and I just started belting him. Something about the name Jesus, something about, y'all know that Rance Allen, do I got anybody that's old school and has a good enough taste in music, rep, rip? brother because he just passed away it is the sweetest name i know oh boy i just been hitting it boy i mess around made a new playlist been coming in here system on blast like two hours full rehearsal i have been like it's all that and i tell you all that to say that i am about to preach the brake shoes off this message I tell you about, I'm just telling you, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for this season. I've grown closer to him. I'm thankful for my people. And I'm thankful more than ever that God has given me the privilege to even live, much less preach. And so I'm about to. So if you're Catalyst, if you're kind of family online, if you're sitting on your couch, I may not see you. God does. You see me. If you haven't shared the video yet. What you waiting on? Because I'm telling you, this message is for a lot more people than are in person. And our online ministry is a lot larger than our in person. And we need it. You can just put this. You can put your God is small if you want to post something. But we're about to get into this thing. Y'all ready? I'm telling you. I love timeless movies and timeless movie lines. Y'all think I'm all about quoting like old school rap lines. I can quote some movie lines. Matter of fact, that's what we're about to do. So I'm going to throw this at you. And I'm going to try to go all generations as best I can with the time we have. You fire back at me what movie it is. I'm not going to tell you the answer. If you don't know the answer, go get some taste and watch some good movies this Christmas season. Online, you can drop a comment with me. Let me know you know the title. I'm just going to keep rolling. You can say the title. You don't know. It's your loss. Go, go live. Y'all ready? Are you ready? Tell somebody I'm ready. All right, here we go. Here we go. I'm just going to throw out the line because timeless movie lines, right? Here we go. There's no place like home. All my OGs in the building. Y'all ready, all my OGs? Say hello to my little friend. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, 
My mama always, or excuse me, my mama said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. All my Halloween people, it's Christmas. I don't know what's wrong with you to be thinking about Halloween in this season. You like horror movies, but there's room for everybody here, so I'm going to make room for you. You ready? Here's Johnny. Yeah, I know all my people that are like 40 and over got that straight up. Here we go. Here's another. By the way, just so you know, that is not a horror movie. That is at best a suspense thriller, at worst a drama. At worst, worst a drama, and wasn't really all that good of one. About like The Village. It's like, this was supposed to be actually entertaining. I'll be back. Mm, I'll be back. Here we go. Uh, uh, oh, oh yeah. Y'all older people going to love me. You got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you? Pump. Oh, yeah. Here we go. If you build it, he will come. All my baseball people in the place better be all my Atlanta Braves in honor of the World Series champions. An Atlanta team actually doesn't choke. A Georgia team. Oh, I, I, I swear I ain't saying no. No, I swore I, swore I was shutting up because they're going to play again, y'all. All my Georgia haters, they're playing again. Let them lose it twice first. Dang, I swore I was going to shut up. I love y'all. All my Georgia fans, I'm just glad you're here. I'm sorry, but you love Jesus to show up on church after that. I'm just saying, I love y'all. I did promise I lied. I absolutely lied. My bad. It wasn't on purpose. It wasn't on purpose. It wasn't on purpose, I promise. Yeah. I'm not even going to go. I'm going to call back because I had a comment right there, but I swore I wasn't going to dig it in. I'm going to wait till they lose the national title. And then, and then I'll eat crow if they actually win one in four decades for the first time. All right, got to do Christmas. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Got to do Christmas. I've been preaching too long lately. I got to shut up. Okay, I got to get to my point. All right, y'all ready? Got to do Christmas. The like, tw- last 20 years, classic, every family dinner. Here we go. Dear Lord, baby Jesus. You know, you know, Ricky, Bobby, Will Ferrell, Talladega, nice baby. And, and this Christmas, every Christmas for the next 30 years and probably some graces in between during the year, somebody's going to say, dear baby Jesus. He says grace and then I think it was Carly makes the statement and says, uh, Ricky, you know, sweetie, um, He's not a baby anymore, and you don't have to pray to baby Jesus. In response, Will Farrell, who plays Ricky Bobby, says, Well, Jesus, uh, Christmas Jesus is my favorite. And when you say grace, you can pray to bearded Jesus, grown Jesus, teenage Jesus, or whoever you want. <laughs> and every Christmas, and every minute, sometime midsummer, somebody in my family, dear baby Jesus, when I'm about to say grace, or they are. It's timeless, right? It's funny, it's comical. You know why? Because it's ridiculous. It's funny because it's ridiculous. But here's the thing. It ain't that far-fetched. It's not that far-fetched. You may not pray to baby Jesus, but you pray baby Jesus' prayers. You believe baby Jesus' promises. And it is because your God is small. It is because your God is small.
Tell somebody right now, say, my God, your God is small. Now point to yourself and say, my God is small. And when you believe in a baby Jesus God, you end up living a baby Jesus life or a baby life. It's why your temper is short and stays short. It's why you're consistently inconsistent. It's why you're waffly. It's why your seasons shake you. It's why your mood is up and down like the Georgia temperature. Your God is small. And we love to laugh at somebody praying to baby Jesus, but worse than just praying to a baby is praying baby Jesus prayers and living a baby life. And week two of what's your reason, I want you to know your God is small and your reason is small. And if you will realize that you have such a bigger reason and such a bigger God. So a matter of fact, will you stand to your feet right now? If you can, if, you, if you're struggling, if you're feeling bad, if you're unhealthy, just stay seated. I'm just glad you're here. Listen to me. John the Baptist said it best. He said, I must become smaller. He must become greater. I'm telling you, your life won't be more until your God becomes more. Your life will not become more until your God becomes more, period. And today, Catalyst Church, he becomes bigger. Tell somebody he's coming. He's getting bigger in my life. Say it like you mean it online. Will you lift your hands right now? Say this with me. You pray it. Say, Lord, be bigger. I'll say it louder than that. Be bigger. Online, say it loud with exclamation marks. Be bigger. Be bigger in my family. Go ahead and tell him. Be bigger in my family. In my finances. Say it in my finances. In my life. In every area. In my character. In my choices. Lord, say it with me. Can I say be bigger? Because just like John the Baptist said, he has to become greater. And we have to become smaller. In Jesus' name. Give God a round of praise as you're seated. Because I'm telling you, perspective changes everything. And if God becomes bigger, you don't live a baby life because you don't believe in a baby God. And he's got to be your reason. He's got to be a big one. Jesus' reason? A season will beat you. A season will beat you if, you if the season is bigger than your reason. I'm going to say that again. Any season will beat you. Even a good season because you're going to think it was you. Pride will beat you. Any season will beat you when the season is bigger than your reason. John the Baptist has to face the fact that his crowds were getting smaller and Jesus's were getting bigger. And he clearly said, that's the point of it all. I've, he told his disciples who were like, we're losing people. He said, I've got to become smaller for him to become bigger. And that, y'all, is the gospel and the greatest challenge of the good news. Jesus' reason was bigger than everything he ever faced or fought through, even death on a cross. We're going to see it. It was bigger. And here's the thing that I want you to see this Christmas season. I want you to see, see it in his life because the same is true for you. And when you realize that no matter what you face, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter what dysfunctions you have, no matter what past you have, no matter what you're feeling right here in this moment, he's bigger. And if your reason will be bigger, he will become bigger in your life. Tell somebody right now, say, I'm with you, Ben. Online, I hope you're with me. We're about to jump into this thing. We got a, you, if you came in here today and you got a bulletin, you can turn it on one side of the bulletin as the notes. I want us to take notes together. It has been awesome seeing y'all try to keep up with my craziness writing. Online, you can download the Catalyst Church app. 
and um, and we can uh, and you can and the message notes are on there. Y'all ready to grow into Christmas together? Y'all ready? Lord, I'm going to ask one more time. Lord, I want you to be bigger than me. Lord, I got a crazy personality, Lord, but we need to allow you to be bigger so that our lives will be bigger, so that our maturity will grow, so that we will grow, so every part of our life will grow. We need to step down and stay in our lane, Lord, and allow you to be who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell somebody your God is small. Point at them, say your God is small. Your God is small. We're about to jump into this thing. I'm going to show you that his reason was bigger than every season, which is why no season could beat him. And the same is true for us. Let's go with it. His reason was his father. I'm going to start out the first, I'm going to start it out right there. His reason, his father was his reason. Straight up. We'll start out. This was his reason. This was the one thing that kept him driving. His father was his reason. It was his focus. He took him seriously because he trusted his heavenly father. And Jesus is our example. In Luke chapter 2, Jesus was 12 years old. His parents lost him. He kind of lost his parents. For like three days, they couldn't find him. And then they find him. Luke chapter 2, where we pick up. Three days later, they finally discovered in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. This 12-year-old was talking to the religious experts of that day, blowing their mind. All who heard him, Jesus, they were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And this wasn't just the supernatural. This was his focus. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. Jesus says, but why did you need to search? This is it, y'all. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? This is not the best translation, interpretation of this. What it truly translates in the Greek is I must be about my father's business. He said, mom and daddy, I don't know, I don't know what you, you knew. This was foretold on my first, when I was born, what I was going to do. And this is my focus. He is my focus. Hmm. Didn't you know that I must be about my father's business or in my, about my, or, or, um, in my father's house? The scripture says, you remember when Jesus flipped the tax tables because they did, they missed the point, the religious people. And it said that zeal for his house consumed him. Well, he took, he took his father seriously. He took his, he trusted God. And then it says this, it says, but they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with, with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. And here it is. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. Jesus grew. Jesus grew. Do you know why he grew? You know why he grew? His reason. His focus. It was his father. It wasn't just that he was supernaturally the son of God, God in the flesh. Jesus chose to grow. His parents said, what are you doing? He said, I'm about my father's business. It was his focus. Tell somebody, grow up, man. Every one of you, say it to yourself. Say, I need to grow up. If you ain't going to be rude to somebody else, be rude to yourself. Say, I need to grow up. Online, will you pick it up for me? Just say, I need to grow up. We need to grow up. Maturity is a choice. It is a focus. When it, some Sundays we come in here and people are hungry, they're worshiping. Sometimes y'all were sleepy. 
what you get out of every single day and how you grow and how you handle a season and how you handle setbacks, how you handle success, it is a choice. It is focus is a choice. Distraction is a choice. It is a choice. And it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Why would, why would God that was completely supernatural have to grow? Because he is our example and he chose. This is how you grow. Maturity is making the things in life, knowing what matters and making that matter. Jesus grew and fought through so many things we're going to read about. Because he chose to grow. His reason was his father. It was his father. He trusted God. And he grew. Confess right now. Say, I need to grow up. I need to grow up, y'all. We all need to grow up. You play video games like you're in middle school, man. You party like you're in college. You prioritize like you don't have kids. You complain like you are a kid. What's your reason, man? Because your reason is going to dictate if you're going to grow or not or if you're going to stay the same person at 40 doing the things you did at 25 and not grow. And then you're going to blame everybody else. But really, choice, growth is a choice. Life is a choice. When Jesus said, I've come to give you life, he isn't going to force it on you. It's a choice. Do you trust him? And his father was his reason. And Jesus was able to withstand and defeat every season and every circumstance because of his reason. The Apostle Paul said this. It's so beautiful. I love the NLT version. It's, he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. And the New Testament or the NLT says, I reasoned like a child. I had childish reasons. He said, but when I became a man, I put away childish thinking. I put away childish reasons. What was once important is not important to me anymore. What once stressed me out and crushed me no longer it matters or is secondary or unnecessary and I act and live accordingly. But we don't grow up. We don't put away childish things and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and growth and favor with God and man spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Maturity happened because Jesus chose it. He said, man, mom and dad, I'm going to obey you. I'm going back to Nazareth, but I want you to know it's the same as it was when Gabriel told you at Christmas, before that first Christmas, I'm about my father's business. I got some questions I wrote down midweek for you. I just want to get the conversation in your heart. What's your reason? What's your priorities? What's important to you now and what shouldn't be? What's your transition in your life? Here's some questions. What's your reason for overspending this Christmas season or every season? What's your reason for mistreating your kids, coworkers, spouse, undermining, manipulating, trying to just work your way to the top any way you know how can? What's your reason for missing church so much when you know you and your family need to worship together under the same roof every Sunday that you possibly can? What's your reason for blaming everybody else for where you are in your life? What's your reason for being aggressive on social media but cowering when it comes to face-to-face -face, face -face confrontation and conversations? What's your reason for being a constant critic? We live in a world, if we're the people that are more successful than we are at what we do, we root for them to lose. 
When I see the gospel, when I see the disciples, they were rooting for everybody to win. <laughs> What's your reason for being, your anger being as raw five years after they broke up with you? Rejected you. Didn't give you the promotion. Didn't give you the raise. Overlooking you. What's your reason for making everything about you? Acting pitiful, pathetic, playing victim, projecting your shame on others. Constantly, constantly. What? What's your reason for it? Because you got to look deep in your heart because at the end of the day, your reason will be if you grow or not. And his reason was his father. His focus was what God said, not what he felt. And we're going to see it. What's your reason? In Hebrews chapter 5, the writer of Hebrews told the church, the New Testament church, the people that were so incredibly anointed that we are here 2,000 years later because of their obedience. You know what he told them? He said, the writer of Hebrews, he, she, we really don't know who wrote Hebrews. He said, you should have been teachers by now, but you were milk drinkers instead of meat eaters. Here's the thing. There's some things in all of our lives that we should be further along than we are. You've got to admit it. You should have accomplished more. You should be in a better financial place. Your marriage should be in a better place. Your peace, your, your maturity, your debt should be much less than it is. Your mindset, your mental mindset, the decisions, they should be better. Here's the thing, all of us, that's true. For the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews 5 says, you guys should, have be, should be in a better place than you are, but you aren't. But here's the gospel, every single day we choose it. Christmas and every season ahead, you can still grow. Whether you're 90 or 9, you can still grow. You've got to come to the place, I should have been in a better spot. I should have done this, that, but I can't look behind me. I can learn from it and move forward. But if you don't, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. And it's not everybody else's fault. It's not God's fault. People are waffly. They suck some seasons and so do you. At the end of the day, growth is a decision. And your reason has to be bigger than every season because your reason has to be him or everything else will never, won't succeed. Or it'll succeed and it'll never satisfy you. This was his focus. And for that to happen, God's got to become bigger in your life. He's got to become bigger. And if he doesn't become bigger, you won't become bigger. If he doesn't become bigger, your marriage won't become bigger or better. If he doesn't become bigger, your financial situation won't become bigger or better. If he doesn't become bigger, the healing that every one of us need because we've all been hurt. We can whine about our hurt all day, but how do you make better decisions that you're responsible for, not just set yourself up for it again? God has to become bigger. For God to become bigger, we have to obey him and trust him. And Jesus said, mom and dad, I know that I disobeyed you, but I want you to know this is the life I'm living. He, I'm about his business. I'm about his house. I trust him. I'm going back home and I'm going to obey you. He worked as a carpenter with Joseph. He was obedient, but he said, listen, this is my focus. Your focus will drive everything. What's your reason? Because if it's small, so will your life be. So will your life be. Tell somebody, he's got to be my reason. He's got to be my reason. And your God's got to be bigger. Or your, if your God stays small, so will your situation and circumstances. Here it is. That was his reason. That was his one reason. I don't got any more points on that. But I'm going to tell you what wasn't his reason. Because we need to start Xing out the things that shouldn't be our reason. Y'all ready? Tell somebody some things got to go. 
There's some mindsets that have to go in your life. There's some things for him to be your reason. Other things can't be your reason. And I want you to see that the same things are true in the culture 2,000 years ago as in your life and our culture today. Y'all ready? You willing to get your feelings hurt? You willing to get your feelings hurt? Because he is the reason for the season, but for, the, for us, he's got to be our reason for us to begin to excel and grow the way he's called us to. Here we go. His reason, or being right, wasn't his reason. Man, the one sign of unforgiveness, the one stumbling block to most people's healing is this, being right, having to be right. I want you to see he's our example. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in Nazareth. And where we're going to pick up in scripture is he was big at this point. He was preaching all over the place. Man was preaching all over the place. So he decides to come home to his hometown. You know, you got your NFL stars that graduated locally and they come home and everybody has a big reception. What do you do when the preacher that grew up comes home? You preach. The preacher usually preaches at his home church, home temple, which is what Jesus did. He was already doing miracles all over the region of that area. So in Luke chapter 4, he comes home to Nazareth. And he preaches and he blows their mind. This is like his people. This is his graduating class. This is his boys. This is his families, his mom and dad's friends. And, and, he's, and he's coming and, 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 and in Luke 4, like he preaches with authority. It's beautiful. They're mind blown. But honestly, they get to the point they're uncomfortable with it. And while he's doing miracles everywhere else in his hometown, this is what happens. Luke chapter 4. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. His whole people. Jumping up, they, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff. They were going to kill him. You imagine getting so mad at your BFF, even if they cheated on you with your, with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Could you imagine like trying to throw him over a cliff, throw him off a building? This was the hostility they had towards him because of jealousy, because of whatever they had against him. Everybody else loved him. His hometown wanted to kill him. Says, but he passed right through the crowd and say this with me, went on his way. I don't want you to see the supernatural here. I want you to see the natural. Yes, he was able to get through the crowd because he is a supernatural being. Yes, he is God. But I want you to see the natural here because the natural is where we miss it. He went on his way his way. I want you to see the situation. I want to set the scene for you. This is his family. This is his Sunday school teachers that changed his diaper and nursery. This is his graduated. This is his guys, man. These are the friends. These are the people that honestly are more familiar with him than anybody else because their reference was larger because they spent his whole childhood with him. And they end up wanting to kill him and making accusations against him. Just like his own people eventually crucified him. They were responsible. The Roman just took it out, took, carried it out for him. And it says that he went on his way. I want you to see this. Okay? I want you to see this because there's some times that you need to walk away. A lot of times in life, it's time to come to the table, but there's some times, there's some situations that you need to walk away. 
And I want you to see what that looks like because what happens is we like being right. And when being right matters too much to you, it's because your God is small. And we do it, man, when we know we're right, when we're passionate, we want to be right. We want everybody to know it. I want you to see it, man. He walked away. He didn't try to explain himself. He didn't try to push back. He walked away. I'm going to tell you, one of the things I have had to learn the last decade of my life is, is being right really can't matter that much to me in most everything. I've had to learn it every year a ministry more and more because when being right matters too much, when you have to look at everybody on social media trying to be right and have the right opinion and vote for the right person, when being right matters that much to you that you will burn bridges, ruin relationships over your opinion, over things you're passionate about, it's because your God is small, not that your principles are right. They tried to kill him and he passed through and went on his way. I'm going to tell y'all, I can honestly say this. I love people now more than I ever have in my life. Man, I, most of the time I teared up the last month is because, is because I am so grateful that I get to do what I do. I love pastor and I love people. I love people now and honestly, I've learned to love them more healthily because I know when what they want, I can't give. I love people. And with that being said, I love every one of you. I love everybody. I'm going to tell you, I love people that don't want me to win. People that don't gravitate towards my part. I want them to win. I want everybody to win because when I look at the Apostle Paul and even the people that killed him, he wanted them to win. The man was sitting in prison and said, man, I just rejoice that they're preaching even though they don't like me. At least they're preaching. I'm in here in prison and right now the gospel needs to be preached whether I preach it or not. I love everybody. If anybody, if you ever get to the place where you don't like me, you think I'm a bad person, bad preacher, bad leader, you think I'm full of dookie, you can't handle me, I'm too much for you, I love you. But my reason, it's taken me years, my reason is not, can't be to win, lose, or maintain, to win, not lose, or maintain your respect. It is not my reason, it can't be any. It can't be. Because when that's your reason, being right, it's because your God is small. And when your God is small, you're too big. And he's got to knock you down to size so that you'll realize that he's enough and you make him enough. And I'm telling you, I have learned so much. Like, like I now, I will bless anybody. I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about every area of my life. I will bless you. I will give you an open door and bless you to leave. And I, won't be, I will bless you to leave. And I won't be bitter if you don't want to stay. Not going to beg people to stay. Because I've learned like I can't being right and being righteous and my viewpoint being the point that people receive. And that can't be because when being right matters too much, it is because your God is small. And when your God is small, your life is a lot smaller than it should be because you are taking being right is on the, on the is your reason. And that's what matters. That's what's God. I'm going to tell you, when, two years before my dad died, notice this. Jesus passed through, y'all. He didn't fire back and get on Google reviews and start saying and trying to shut down businesses and restaurants because somebody looked at you wrong or somebody cussed you out. The waiter don't own the place and they may have had a bad day. Somebody just wasn't good. This isn't, look, look, Jesus was not a Burger King guy, man. 
It wasn't have it your way. It was God is bigger. So if people do me wrong, God will fight for me. I'll stand my ground, but I'm not going to overcompensate to make my point. That is what Jesus did. He went on his way. He didn't try to shut businesses down. He didn't try to throw dirt on people that didn't like him. And a lot of people didn't like Jesus, which is why he only lived 33 years. And yes, he did nothing wrong and they still didn't like him. But being right wasn't his reason. He moved on. He never went back to Nazareth, but he also didn't hate them in his heart because he left the table and being right wasn't his reason. His father was his reason. Y'all, my dad, remember that, please, this Christmas, when you have difficult family members that hurt you, that you have history with. Remember that being right can't be your reason. And when you let yourself be provoked and make a fool of yourself, that's what you're doing. And it's because your God is small. When your coworkers don't see your gift, when they undermine you, when the boss doesn't see you and appreciate you, when they don't compensate you fairly, listen to me, being right can't be your reason. That is a bad reason and your God is small when that's your reason. My dad, back to my dad, the last two years before my dad died, he's been gone 10 years now, the last two years. All I can tell you is I just didn't have to be right anymore. I'm so grateful because this is where that lesson started in my spirit. I didn't have to be right anymore. I didn't have to tell him the things that he wasn't doing and the things that I was having to do because he wasn't doing. I stopped. And those last two years gave me space and it freed me. And I was able to actually have a civil relationship with my father those last two years, which is why one of the greatest, heaviest parts of my life with daddy is he came to hear me preach two weeks and five days before he passed away. And Odin. It was heavy, but we got to be a family one more time over eight years after we hadn't been together. We, every time I see that outside area at Firehouse Sub, I ate with my daddy. And the only reason I was able to is because I was able to forfeit the right to be right and just be. And I can honestly say I was able to forgive him because I gave up the right to be right. Before he died, I forgave him. Ministry, y'all, I've had to learn. It took me a while to realize part of leading a church, part of leading anything is there are decisions that are your responsibility and people aren't going to understand them. They're not even going to know details and they're not going to like them and sometimes they won't like you because of them. They are my decision to make and I have to be okay with not being defensive and feeling like everybody's got to understand why I do everything I do. When I take a step, I don't owe anybody a thing. I'm accountable for my character, but there's some things that if I'm the lead, and it's the same in your life, in your family, you don't have to explain to everybody why you make certain decisions with your teenagers. If you need my help, come ask me, but it's your decision. We live by choices. But what we do is we feel like we got to get on social media and tell everybody how wrong they are and be right because being right matters too much. I'm staying on this a little longer at this point. I promise I'll move faster in the next few. Walmart, y'all, it's crazy because I still to this day realize how much ministry I did in 13 and a half years of greeting at Walmart. Man, by the way, y'all want to see something awesome? Can we throw that picture up, baby? That's a sexy Santa Claus right there. Yep, it is. 
Mm-hmm. I stopped. I'm going to tell y'all, you would never want to smell the inside of that suit. <laughs> Ever. Think this year I'd actually preached that day, preached a message at the church I was working at, and then did that all day. Whew, you talk about a hot nature chubby guy. It was rough. I was able for 13 and a half years, I was able to do that at women's shelters. Walmart had my back. I'm going to tell y'all, I, I'm grateful. I was able to wish, I, if you remember seeing me at Walmart, or you were, some people, there's some guests sometimes like, oh my God, I remember he's a lot heavier and fatter, but man, he did. He went, oh. God bless. Merry Christmas. I was able to build such an influence. Connor and I last week got to go visit somebody, make a visit to a nursing home of a person that I haven't seen in well over a decade. And we got close 15 years ago at Walmart. Guys never stepped foot in Catalyst, but found out he'd like a visit. And I made it, made my heart warm. And I got to ask this question because I'm going to tell you, I met my, I met opposition doing this. I was cussed out many times for saying God bless. And I would remember their face and not say it to them again. One time, Walmart considered uh, filing charges because it was a borderline attack and assault. I got asked this question over the years by a lot of people, which is my point about being right. I got asked a question, what would you do if Walmart, they never did, they had my back, they were very gracious to me. They said, what would you do if they ask you to stop saying God bless or stop, made you stop saying Merry Christmas? Boy, that's the world we live in right now. Yeah, I ain't taking Christ out of Christmas. You know what I said? I'll give you the answer. The same answer that I've answered probably 15 people over the years. Those are words. Those are words. Those are words. As long as there's people loving Jesus as he loved us, like he asked us to do, Christ will never be taken out of Christmas. But the way we act and fight over words... Over words, how we act is what takes Christ out of Christmas, out of church, out of families, out of marriages, the way we act. Because it's not about what we say or can't say. I'm telling you, bigotry is on every side of every issue because bigotry is a heart issue. You can be liberal, conservative, you can see it this way, that way, anti-vax, vax. Every extreme has bigotry because bigotry isn't about your perspective or point of view. It's about your heart because when you have to be right, it's because your God is small. And Jesus was able to move through the crowd and he went on his way because being right wasn't his reason. Tell somebody your God is small, man. I had to learn, man, being right can't be my reason. It can take every word away from me, but if I got love in my heart, Jesus will never be taken out of this word. He said the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. The question is, do you want to be a part of it? Because how we act is what takes us out of it. um, Labels weren't his reason. Labels weren't his reason. Ask yourself, why do you have to be right? Why do you have to set yourself and put people in their place? And then let's move on. Labels weren't his reason. But we love labels. We, we live by labels. We like to say, you can't define me. Every decision we make and every insecurity we have is because we truly put our trust in labels. Labels are our reason. Even right ones, we put too much trust in them. John chapter 1. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth! exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? 
Come see for yourself, Philip replied. I'm going to stop right there. I want to talk for a minute. Nathaniel, when he heard about this Jesus and they said, come see him, his first response was his prejudice, was his bias. Because in that day, there was a saying, a reputation of the town that nothing good comes from Nazareth. Uh-uh, that's a statistic. There's no way the Messiah come. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a guy and a girl raised by a single mother. That ain't how it works. His daddy's an addict. He's following in his footsteps. She got pregnant at 17. She can't do this. Labels. And we live in a world where we are just as trustworthy in labels and they are our reason. But the difference in our culture now is we're sensitive about it and don't admit it. Don't judge Nathaniel. Oh, I can't, I can't do Jesus, man. He's from Nazareth. What are you talking about? Nothing good. Listen to me. You do it all the time. Don't judge him. You judge people by how they dress. Your walls go up and down based on the labels that you have accepted in your heart. Prejudice, bias. We're all biased about something. We're just all overcompensating, tell every, telling everybody we're not biased. We're not prejudiced. The word prejudice means prejudge. You judge people by how they dress. Yes, it is 2020, almost two, and there is racism in this world. Don't you ever, racism is a human heart problem. America can't solve it. Only Jesus and his love can solve it. Politics can't solve it. They just sit up there and bicker and we get involved. We've been baited into that conversation. The way he lived and the way we have the opportunity to live, man, you judge people by the color of sin. You judge people who they vote for. You judge people based on what sex they're attracted to. Yeah, I said it and I'm going to say it because I, I know what I stand for. Love others as he loved you. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's pretty simple. He says, by this, all men will know you're my disciples. By your love for one another, not labels. Man, we, we're all about it. We're all about it, man. We will, uh, we will label people all day. We'll rant about everything. We'll rant about everything. We'll talk about the labels. We love preaching about, uh, I'm just going to say this and I'm going to move on. We love preaching about gay people, but what we, what we don't do is we don't talk about disrespect. And that's your, that's your, that's your problem. That's my problem. I'm going to move on with that though because I got, I got more to preach. Man, we, we judge people by how, everything. We judge people, walls go up by how low you wear your pants. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, it's a generational thing for me. I judge people who wear their pants too high. And I'm going to tell you, it's two reasons. Number one, it's a generational thing. I, this whole, my mama used to raise me, you're supposed to wear your pants up to your belly button. That's ridiculous. Don't yes me. Uh-uh. I will do that when I'm 80, maybe. Actually, no, because the second reason I judge you when you wear high water pants or whatever is because I'm jealous of you. I'm projected on you because I've got no butt and I have to wear my belt so tight that it cuts off circulation. I wish I could be you. So I'm going to judge you. I'm biased. I'm not afraid of it. And the first time you say droopy drawers to me, I'm going to tell you, God didn't give me the butt you got. So get out of my face. We judge people all the time by how many divorces they have. Oh, don't you date that girl. She's been divorced. You don't even know her story. And, and a lot of people won't say it these days. We, we go to church every Sunday, raise our hand, but that's the first thought you have. You want to really see how biased you are? Don't, don't talk about the stuff you say. Talk about the things you think. Be honest with that. 
Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I'm going to tell you, where does it start? A wise man, the Bible says a wise man can look, a fool can look wise if he keeps his mouth shut. A lot of you, you're a bigot right inside your mouth. You just got more discretion than most people. You ain't like me where you open it up and make a fool of yourself. Other people's opinion. Anytime that you are abrasive and aggressive and you're more guarded because of your perspective, your opinions, your political views, I can keep naming the stuff, the bias in your life when you are guarded towards other people because of that. It is because your God is small. And I refuse to have a small God. My God is growing in my heart. He's growing in my life. He's growing in this church. Your God is small. Labels weren't his reason. His father was his reason. I'm going to keep going because here it goes. Watch how Jesus handles this. You're like, well, that was just a lot of context. You went a lot stretched there. Watch how Jesus handles it. I'm not done. Tell somebody he ain't done. He ain't done. As they approached Jesus, this is how he handled it. You know, we like to, we like to communicate the, first, the, the negatives we see in people. We don't ever speak to the positives first. You want to really have a good conversation with your wife or your husband and, not, and disarm them? Why don't you come to the table talking about the things you appreciate about them before you talk about what they can work on? This is what Jesus did. He said, as they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Oh, we don't do that. Especially now, we're all sensitive. We're all trying to hide our own junk, so we like to highlight everybody else's. Hmm. Hmm. I'm a guilty y'all I'm going to tell you what my bias is I've worked on I'm getting better at it it's overly church people overly churchy people I've struggled most of my adult life I'm getting better though I immediately will think the worst of somebody who somebody who's 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 who I know doesn't see things the way I do, and I'll immediately think they're coming to reprimand, tell me what I'm not preaching on, and and I write people off. And I'm gonna tell you, when you live based on labels, you are gonna miss blessings, you are gonna miss relationships, you are gonna miss so much that God has because you're gonna be right out the door, scared of people every Sunday. So you may come worship and experience Him here, but you're gonna miss because you live guarded and skeptical because of your prejudice, because you're you love let you trust labels more than the love and redemption of Jesus. What's yours? What's yours? Be honest with yourself. When you see somebody's coming, coming, fill in the blank what you're thinking in your heart. You may not be, uh, uh, you may be too scared to say it, but you think it and it's in your heart and that's what matters. What is it? There comes this, that snowflake Democrat, that rich, racist Republican. Here comes that fill in the blank gay racist slur that you're like well I'm able to say it in front of my friends and listen to me but you're guarded that's the problem you don't let people in who look different vote different act different than you what is it for you hide your kids hide your wife they cheaters hide your pills hide your money you live so guarded and you can't even you, you keep everything out because you're prejudiced and Nathaniel, Jesus, Jesus was so unguarded. He said, he said, hey man, I'm speaking to the positive in you. You were sincere. You were sincere and sincerity is everything. You were a genuine man. He, did, he knew, Jesus was God. He knew this man was prejudiced towards him. He knew he wrote him off before he ever even met him. But Jesus said he spoke to it because labels weren't his reason. His father was his reason. 
This is Nathaniel's response, man. Oh my gosh, everybody's popping off on social media. We're all telling everybody, won't set them in their place. <laughs> How do you know me? Because guarded people are guarded and they're going to pop off. How do you know me, Jesus? You just talk, you just spitting it. Right? Somebody out there, oh, that preacher's always saying, God bless you and you're amazing and you're beautiful. Angie always says, well, you're blind when I say you're beautiful. No, I see you more better than you see yourself. You're the one blind, sweetie. Nathaniel says, um, how do you even know me? Check this out. Nathaniel asked Jesus, and Nathaniel asked Jesus, replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. I want you to see this. You probably don't see this in context. Being under the fig tree was a rabbi term, okay? Rabbis, Jewish priests, they would say that basically under the fig tree meant when they were praying and meditating and studying scripture. They would say you were under the fig tree. So what Jesus said to him hit him so hard and you may miss it if you don't know the culture. Jesus said, I know you because I was with you when you prayed this morning, your last prayer before you came here. And what Nathaniel understood is if he was there for my last prayer, which nobody was there with me, then he is actually who he says he is, which means he's been with me all the way. And what Nathaniel heard is what Jesus was clearly saying by that one line he hit him in the heart. I am Emmanuel, God with you, Nathaniel. When we sing this this Christmas, because next week I'm going to jump into the Christmas story a lot more, the next couple weeks. I want you to know what you're singing. You're singing that he is with me. He is with you. And there ain't a dang thing you can do about it. He told Nathaniel, I was with you while you were praying. He is with you when you were praying for your child. He is with you when you were praying for a child. He is with you when they crushed you and the scars of your life are, are, are still fresh years, years later. He is with you. He is with you when you were believing God for more income and you were trying your best to make better decisions and you were coming in church and bringing your kids and you're trying to seek him and one step at a time rebuild your life. He's with you when you did the things that you're not telling anybody about. He is not surprised. King David, when he was in his sin said God you searched me and you know me he knows you he's with you he was telling Nathaniel you can't have a thing for me I know everything about you and I'm with you he is with you man he is with you when you blame God when you blamed other people when you cursed him I'm telling y'all I have pressed my head in a pillow I have screamed it and punched my steering wheel cursing God he was with me then and he's with me now And he was saying, Nathaniel, I'm with you when you're praying, man. I don't know what your daddy called you. I don't know what your mama didn't invest in you. But I'm telling you, you need to quit living by labels. When he's your reason, labels aren't. Your learning disability does not define you. Don't let it define you. Whatever you are short, whatever you don't have, whatever you need from him, he is with you. You are not labels. 
You were not divorced. You were not a product of a single mom. You were not an addict just because seven generations have been an addict. You were not, you were not your bad dad, mad dad, sad dad, no mom, mad mom, no nurturing mom, crazy mom. You were not mental, your mental health or your mental diet, mental illness. You are his child. And when labels, don't you dare make labels your reason. Because you have lived and made labels your reason because your God is here. His father was his reason. Everybody labeled him. They put above his cross, king of the Jews, to make fun of him like he was a laughing stock. But you know what? He died, but he didn't stay dead because they couldn't define him. He is our example. He is our example. And lastly and very quickly, his reference wasn't his reason. His own reference wasn't his reason because he was fully God and fully man so that we could see what it was, how we could connect with God. He, he loved us enough to become one of us. He is in the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke 22. He's sweating drops of blood. That is a scientific disease that is so rare and he's usually sparked by major. This man is, Jesus is terrified and he prays his prayer. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. He was terrified. He was about to take on the cross and he knew it. And he said, God, I don't know what you're doing. And if there's any other way, can we, can we not do the cross? Can we change it up? Can we go around it? But then immediately sweating drops of blood in the scare, most fearful moment of his life. He said, yet I want your will to be done he trusted his reference he trusted his father's timing he trusted his father's details he didn't want it that way he was terrified to get it that way but you know why he trusted the reference of his father because his father was his reason you don't believe me he's hanging on the cross in Luke 23 and it says then Jesus shouted father I entrust my spirit into your hands and with those words Jesus breathed his last we love to talk about him saying my God my God why hast thou forsaken me yes he felt abandoned at the cross and he said God I don't feel you and he was honest with the feelings and we can be honest with our father but his last breath he said I trust my spirit to you he still trusted him because he was the reason his reason he was his reason his reference wasn't where his faith was no eye has seen no ear has heard no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him you know what that means what God has for you here as in heaven life and eternity is bigger and better than your reference but the only way for it to be that is for your God to become bigger and your reference to become smaller and your faith and your reference to become smaller tell somebody your God is small your God is small whether the cancer stays or goes, you God's got to be bigger. Whether the spouse leaves you or stays, whether your spouse takes you seriously and respects you or not, it, your, it can't be your reason. Whether the finances goes up, down, whether you go bankrupt or not, 
you you got to quit repeating bad decisions and bad relationships because you are trusting your reference. You want it your way, your way, your way, your details, the way it looks for you. And if it doesn't, then I'm not enough and he's not enough. And you sabotage your life. Jesus didn't put his trust in his reference. He trusted his father's plan. And you've got a plan straight from heaven for you. And it's time for you to start making him the reason. Because he loves you. And he's the reason for every season, not just this one. And the reason has to be bigger than your season. And if the reason is not bigger, then your life won't be either. Will you stand to your feet with me? Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at IamCatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at IamCatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you, we care about you, and we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.